You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It is a Thursday, November the 10th, and it's crunch time here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. What's up, man? You guys here on, once again, a Thursday afternoon. Today's episode of crunch time, today's edition of crunch time, we are going to have a lot of fun going to be a great great show today uh, we're going to be joined at 4 30 by ty richardson of espn arkansas uh, for a preview of the razorbacks as the tigers will travel up to fayetteville on saturday and we will also be joined uh, i'm so excited about this one uh, at 5 30 we're going to be joined by the voice of the fighting tigers of lsu mr chris blair uh, for a conversation about the tigers and their win over alabama and a couple other things we're going to dive into. Uh, so definitely looking forward to that conversation as well. We're also going to preview the Louisiana Raging Cajuns as they play tonight against the Georgia Southern Eagles and so much more in today's show. Once again, on the hotline, 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. Your poll question of the day is, what do you think the Saints will get in return, potentially, for Sean Payton? Could you see it being two first-rounders? Could you see it being one first-rounder? Could you see it being less than a first-rounder? Or, you know, you you got some some crazy trade proposal in your head that that you want to get out. You, You can comment other on the poll question as well. So far, 50% of you say two first-rounders, and 50% of you say less than a first-rounder. Two very different ends of the spectrum. Opposite ends of the spectrum. John Paul says, I would love to see them get multiple picks, like one first, and then you sprinkle in a third, fourth, or fifth for good measure. See, that I could realistically see. And And I'm not looking at this with, you know, black and gold colored glasses on. I'm looking at this as realistically as I possibly can. I see somebody giving up a first and a third for Sean Payton. I do. You look. There's a lot of teams in the league, and, and there's one team that really comes to my head in the Los Angeles Chargers. They've got it all figured out. The only problem is, is that their coach sucks. You've got the young franchise quarterback. You've got a young running back who is talented as hell. That quarterback has receivers. They've got a good offensive line. You've got a good defense. You have pieces all over that defense. Khalil Mack, Nick Bosa. You've got Derwin James in the secondary, J.C. Jackson as well. I mean, you've got pieces up and down that defense. Chargers have it together. You just don't have a coach. You're a coach away from contending for a Super Bowl if you're the Los Angeles Chargers. that's what You're a coach away. I could see the Chargers giving up a first and a third 
or first and a fourth. I'd be okay with a first and a fourth. Hell, in, in all actuality, I'd be okay if somebody said just a first. Like, done. Deal. The Saints can get a first for Sean Payton. And anybody that thinks otherwise, it's, it's just crazy to me. I mean, we're talking about a guy that before he retired, year in and year out, was considered one of the best, if not the best, coach in the league. Oh, but because he took one year out of coaching, oh, he's not worth anything anymore. Like, come on. We, we can't be serious. And look, I understand the business aspect. I understand that teams are going to try to lowball you. Oh, I'll give you a fourth for him. Oh, I'll, I'll maybe sprinkle in a, a late third. Teams are going to try to do that. Because again, the obviously this sounds crazy what I'm about to say, but if I can get handed a million dollars and only pay 10000 to get it, yeah, I'm going to do that. Who wouldn't? You would be stupid not to. But from the opposite end of that spectrum, if you're the Saints, why would you give a million dollars for only ten grand? Now, I understand over time, that million dollars is going to depreciate, and eventually there's going to be nothing left, a.k.a. Sean Payton's contract ending in 2024. But you can't tell me that there isn't a team that's going to offer you half a million for that million. That's that's what I'm getting at. Somebody's going to pay a first-round pick for Sean Payton. Somebody will. You will never convince me otherwise. Because let me tell you something. There is one idiotic man that currently lives in Northeast Texas that would pay just about anything for Sean Payton to be his head coach. Never mind the fact that they're 6-2 and two right now. I guarantee you if Sean Payton called Jerry Jones and said, Hey, Jarrah, I want to come to Dallas. Jerry's calling New Orleans and offering them at least a first. Maybe two. Jerry wants Sean Payton so bad it's sickening. You can't tell me I'm wrong. I see the face you're making, Jerry. You can't tell me that I'm wrong. Because I'm not. Jerry Jones would pay anything to get Sean Payton as his head coach. It's hard for me to see it. You're kidding me! The storylines write themselves. Sean Payton, who cut his teeth under Bill Parcells in Dallas, returns as the head coach. The book writes itself. Is Jerry given a power? I think it's different with Sean Payton. You think so? I think it's different with Sean Payton. Because here's the thing. Sean Payton's not like most coaches. Sean Payton's going to walk in that room and say, Jerry, look, I understand, you know, you, you don't like to give up control, and that's okay. But if you want to win, you got to let me run the team. I think Jerry would do it. For Sean, so? for Sean Payton, I think Jerry would do it. 
I'm not on that same boat as you. And that's fine. You don't have I'm, to be. I'm not I'm not there with you. You you can sail away out into the ocean while I go to the promised land. That's fine. Uh-huh. I'm I'm telling you, man, you're gonna get a first round pick for Sean Payton. Don't get me wrong, I'd love it. But it's hard for me to believe it. I'm more on I'm more on the Taunt side with him saying if they get anything better than a third, dude. If be all lucky. you get is a third rounder for Sean Payton, that is a slap in the face. I think I think you could realistically get a second and a fourth. Uh, okay, let, let's let's look at this. Eric Howard comments on Twitter and says, "Anyone who suggests anything less than two first round picks is probably a Cowboys fan." Let's oh, look yeah. at. Let's I'm, look de- I'm at, definitely a Cowboys fan. Let's look at recent yep, history. You're right. Gruden and Bill Parcells are both comparable with winning history, which is true. They're even keel right on the money with Sean Payton. They both got first-rounders and other multiple picks. Gruden got two-plus. Gruden got two first, two seconds, and Tampa paid $8 million, or Oakland paid $8 million for him. $8 million. On top of two first and two seconds. What was the situation with Gruden, though? I, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter? That doesn't matter. Coming it, pretty it soon. It shouldn't matter that he was two years removed from a Super Bowl. That automatically make you a, a top coach? Sean Payton consistently had his teams in the playoffs. And what would they do in the playoffs? It doesn't matter. It doesn't? No, really. So, so you have to win multiple Super Bowls to be first to be worth a first rounder. All I'm saying is, rec- he's got one of recency. the best winning percentages in NFL history. Yeah, that doesn't matter. I'm not saying it doesn't, but the fact that you're just absolutely blowing away what happened in the playoffs and not winning a Super Bowl since 2010. Who cares? The guy knows how to win. But but seriously, why why does him not winning a Super Bowl in ten years matter? He's won a Super Bowl. We also have to remember Goodell and Sean Payton. They're not buddy buddy. Goodell's not buddy buddy with anybody other than Bill Belichick. No other coach in the NFL is buddy buddy with Roger Goodell. Okay, but would you be would fair. you be would you be paying premium prices for a guy that you know isn't on the good side? I, I mean, you have to take I that into account. To an extent. If a team wants to win... If you get into a bidding war, and ultimately you're like, oh, I really want them, I'll throw in a first. Uh, I'll, I'll throw a first in there. Then yeah, you get to that point. But you also we also have to see when does Sean decide... When is Sean... When will he decide? Because we can hear all the reports we want. Of oh well I think I'm, I think he wants to come back next year uh, until he does it how how do we know that he's absolutely positively coming back I mean, in 2023 we, we, we don't but it's also you know that's part of the gig is, is speculating it yeah and I'm saying if he doesn't even come to 2024 I feel like you would you may get less well, because yeah. it'd only be one year because left on that you, contract because if you wait till 20 yeah you're gonna get less because the value is gonna depreciate over time. But if he comes, if he says this February that I'm getting back into coaching, and if you don't get a first rounder for him, you're getting slapped in the face. 
there's no reason that Sean Payton could not be worth a first-round draft pick. None! I, it doesn't matter that Sean hasn't won a Super Bowl in 12 years. You know how many coaches didn't even win a Super Bowl? Think about that. How many coaches didn't win a Super Bowl at all? He took the New Orleans Saints. I say this as a lifetime fan of the Saints. They have sucked for 85% of their history. He took the Saints and turned them into a perennial contender. Every year, the Saints could have gone 11-5, and five, but guess what? They were still in the conversation for a Super Bowl. Let's go to the hotline, 706-0111. Mr. Green, what's going on? Hey, good afternoon, Mr. Miguez. It uh, sounds like y'all are kind of uh, in a little bit of excitement there, my man. The, the fact that people think that you wouldn't get a first-round pick for Sean Payton is just crazy to me. Well, let me give my two cents, and it's this. Right now, the Saints hold the cards. But the problem is, the longer Sean Payton stays out of coaching and the longer this goes on, the worse that hand becomes for the Saints. And so eventually, you know, if he stays out of coaching long enough, you know, Saints get nothing. So it's all about when he decides that he wants to go back into coaching, if he wants to go back into coaching, and that's when you'll know what you can get for him. Well, right. As it stands, if you were to say, you know, if you were to say today, yeah, I want to come back. Yeah, I could see the Saints getting a, a first round pick or two, or at least a first and a third. But if it waits like a year or two, eh, maybe right. not that, so much. I don't so, know. It, so if he comes back this off season, he's worth a first round pick. Oh, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I mean, that that's that's that, that's that's been still, that's been my stance. Brain. <laughs> yeah, he's still got his brain. Thank I you. I mean, he's still got to be the smartest guy in the room. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that, that's that's what I've been saying this entire time. If he obviously, if he waits till you know the end of 2023, beginning of 2024, the value depreciates at that point. But if he comes back this offseason and says, "I'm ready to get back into coaching," somebody's going to pay a first round pick for him. Yeah, and like you pointed out, it definitely wouldn't surprise me if it's Ojero over there up in uh, that North Texas team. Yeah, uh, he he will pay anything. Oh yeah, no doubt. I think he regrets letting him go first time around. Yeah, no 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 doubt about it. No doubt about it. Jamie, right. appreciate you calling me. All right, guys, I appreciate you taking my call. Y'all have a good one. No, I'm not saying he's not worth a first rounder. I'm just saying my prediction. I think ultimately what it comes down to is they'll get less than that. They'll get less than a first, even though he's valued. Mo- but most why, people believe. But why do you think that? Why do you think you you say that he's valued at a first? Mm-hmm. But why do you think that the Saints are going to get less than that? Because I've seen it before with Saints. They're always big buyers. They're not big sellers. They don't sell very often. But they've and never any, sold a coach. And, in, and any time that they sell, but it's always never, for less. But they've never sold a coach. A coach is a different story. You're talking a the leader of your franchise. I mean, again, John Gruden got two first, two seconds, and eight million dollars. You're telling me that the Saints won't get one first? 
look, if we get into a bidding war, if, if the Saints get in, have three, four, five, six, seven teams get into a bidding war, I could see it first. But if we're only seeing it, if, and this is just a two-horse race, unless they're super into it, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't see. I don't see it going back that's, and forth. That's a whole crazy. Bunch. That's insane to me. I, we we we've rode this type of shit before. We've seen this story before. That that's insane to me. But anyways, if you're looking for great stocking stuffers this holiday season, then look no further than the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse in Cypress Bayou, a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great stocking stuffers by joining the Game Clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free, it's simple, so go sign up today we'll take a time out when we return we'll continue this nfl conversation plus we have some interesting sound bites from jeff saturday's introductory presser earlier this week right here on the game southwest louisiana sports station your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros got something to say to Miguez and mesh hell yeah it's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Back on Crunch Time, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Let's talk some NFL now. Interesting news coming out of Washington, D.C., as the attorney general for Washington has filed a civil lawsuit against the commanders, Dan Snyder, the NFL, and Commissioner Roger Goodell for, quote, colluding to deceive fans and residents of the district about the league's investigation into the team's toxic workplace culture and allegations of sexual assault in an effort to maintain a strong fan base and to increase profit. According to Attorney General Carl Rasheen, said his office was suing because you can't lie to D.C. residents in order to protect your image and profits and get away with it. I don't care who you are, even if you're the National Football League. Wow. Things might get interesting in the district. I mean, James, do you see this going anywhere? I mean, I hate to say it like that, but I mean, and and he can say, even if you're the National Football League, but it's the National Football League. Have we seen anything in the past that shows us that there's going to be a chink in the armor that is the shield? Because I don't think so. I wonder how much dirt Snyder has on everyone. See, that's... Does he... He claims that he does. He but could. Does he, he could. He could be bluffing, or but. is he just bluffing? Like I, th- th- this whole situation has just been so. It's been weird because I mean, with everything that's been happening, it feels like ninety, ninety plus percent of the time, that person would be gone, and they would have been gone a long time right. ago. So it's like. But how is he still here if it's if it's been this bad and everyone says it's as bad as it's been? Why is he? How is I mean, he still here? I mean, he's an owner. But haven't haven't other owners have been 
have to be forced to sell the team before? We've seen that before a couple times. I mean, yeah. So so that's what I'm saying. It, if it's so bad like we've seen with other owners, how is he still here? Because he and Goodell are friends. That's been reported. That's been addressed many times that they have a good friendship. Because here's my thing. Because you were talking about it earlier before the show. You don't make friends in business. You don't. Well, here, but here's because here's my thing. If you're Dan Snyder, and you have all this dirt on Goodell and the league and whoever else, if you have all this dirt, why aren't you releasing it? What's keeping you from letting it out? Because he's not out of the job. He's still he's still owner of the of the Commanders. But that, but that, if you have the dirt, uh, again, I ask, wouldn't it, would it not matter that you're still the owner if you release it? Well, I mean, what, what's releasing it going to do? They haven't let you off yet. You really think they're going to let you off now? Once you release dirt on them? You would own the team for the rest of your life if you release the dirt. That's what I'm not understanding. And then he, he talks. he's talking about how he'd be okay selling the team, but he's not selling it to Jeff Bezos. Why? Why? Do you have dirt on Jeff too? Like, what, what, what is happening here? When did the Washington Commanders turn into the Real Housewives of the District? Because this is starting to play out like a reality TV show is what's happening. And it's honestly kind of embarrassing. Like, Could you imagine being a player for the Commanders right now and having to deal with all this? And then in the Commanders' response to the Attorney General, they tried to cover up what was happening with Brian Robinson's shooting? What does Brian Robinson's shooting have to do with anything that has gone on in the franchise? None. Nothing. Why'd that even get brought up? But anyways, I digress. Obviously, we'll watch what, what develops with this scenario. But let's go, let's, let's go back to Indianapolis for a moment. Jeff Saturday had his midweek press conference, his first press conference as the interim head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. And James, to say the least, it was entertaining. Um, you know, Jeff, Jeff Saturday touched on a, a lot of things, and the, the quote that's going around is plain and simple. He has zero fear. Everybody talks about my, I'm completely comfortable in who I am as a man, bro. I know I can lead men. I know I know the game of football and I'm passionate about it. I have no fear about are you as qualified as somebody else, bro. I spent 14 years in a locker room. I went to playoffs 12 times. I had, I got five dudes in the Hall of Fame that I play with. You don't think I've seen greatness? You don't think I've seen how people prepare, how they coach, how they GM, how they work? I mean, won Super Bowls, been to two. Like, here's the deal, man. None of us are promised a good job. 
I may be terrible at this. And after eight games, I'll say, God bless you. I am no good. I may be really good at it. I got no idea. But I dang sure ain't going to back down. I can tell you that. I mean, listen, if life ain't an adventure, it ain't for nothing. You know, it, it ain't for me. I'm ready to go do this. I, I take a challenge head on. And I know. And listen, everybody can say whatever they want. And I, I appreciate that. But from my perspective, when I was asked, you know, they said, hey, we're following every rule at the end of the season. You aren't promised anything. Perfect. Let, let's go with that, and, and, and I'll move forward. I have no fear if I'm no good. And Mr. Ursay looks at me and goes, hey, we appreciate you. Thanks for stepping in. Man, job well done. I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity. Kind of makes you excited to watch the Colts. I am intrigued to see how this goes. I don't think that this will end very well, but I am intrigued because this is such a wild card situation. You don't know if they could go on a 10-game win streak or – yeah. Or well, not a ten game. Yeah, but there's eight games left. But eight, I mean, on a go like seven and one, six and two. Well, here's the thing. Or if they go two and six or zero oh and eight to end the season. Well, here's the thing. Their division is so bad. Correct. Say they win. Say they go six and two over over the next eight. Do they make the playoffs? That might win. That 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 might win you the division. That probably could win you the division, depending on how the Titans do, because Titans. They're so up and down. I feel like we're starting to see the transition almost yeah, I mean, from right Tannehill now, to, to Willis. Jacksonville, they're up and down, and then the Texans are going to be getting probably a top five pick. Right now, the Colts are three, five, and one. They go six and two. You finish nine, seven, and one. That's that might win you the division. That's very close to what I predicted before the season. I said the Colts would go, I think, ten and seven or nine and eight, and they would ultimately win the division. Yeah, that that could. I mean, you're only two games out of the division as it stands. Yeah. The Titans are five and three, and I haven't heard anything recently about Tannehill. It's not like he really makes a huge difference, but I mean he's he's been more he's more experienced of a quarterback than Malik Willis, as right. we only saw him throw sixteen passes and complete five of them. So I that the 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 Colts thing is just so so interesting. But one thing that Jeff Saturday did touch on, and this this is the last one that we'll get to, that I find just so interesting is talking about the firing of Frank Reich. And, you know, he, he experienced a coach getting fired or, or moving on during his time. And uh, he, he put it plain and simple that he feels for the players. Right. And I told the guys this morning, I care about the players, I care about their families. I've sat in their seat, man. This sucks. Right. I like Frank. I've talked to Frank. I mean, we've texted. I love Frank, man. I was working with Frank. Right. So I'm working with him every week, talking to him. I, I consider Frank a friend and I love him. I think he's a heck of a football coach. I got no control over how that. So I understand from their perspective. I've sat in that seat. They love Frank, man. These, that's, his, that's their coach. I mean, they played for this dude. So uh, I don't minimize that at all. I, I care about the staff and their family. These guys work hard. They sacrifice for their families. They sacrifice time, energy, and effort. Like, I know equipment room. Man, I know media relations. I know training room. Like, you guys act like this is, these are my people, bro. Like, my adult life was forged here. Took a timeout, and when we return, Ty Richardson of ESPN Arkansas joins us for a preview of the Razorbacks before Saturday's matinee matchup in Fayetteville. Right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on, it's Gordon. He'll look up. That's a goner. 
LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back, Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 37 after the hour. We are now joined by Ty Richardson of ESPN Arkansas. Ty, what's going on, bud? How are you? Hey, guys. Good to be on with you this afternoon. Ready for this Arkansas-LSU game and Donald W. in two days. So I got to ask you, man, how cold is it up there in Fayetteville right now? It's going to be cold, boys. Bring your jackets if you're coming. I don't know if you're making the trek up here, but for the LSU fans listening to your program right now that are planning on going to be in Fayetteville, bring your heavy coats because it's going to be, I think it's mid-40s at kickoff, maybe a little below that, but that wind chill is going to make it feel like 30 or below that. Yeah, we. I was looking at a forecast earlier. It has 36 at kickoff. Yeah, it's not a... Fayetteville's weird, man. Down there in the bayou, I feel like it doesn't ever get that cold for you guys. But Fayetteville, it gets like 100-plus, and then it'll get under 30 and under 20 in snow. It's just nestled up in the Ozarks. Yeah, that that's not any fun. Uh, Ty, go ahead. Give me, your, uh, give me your thoughts on the season up until this point. You know, obviously the, the injury bug has bit the Razorbacks in 2022. Yeah, that's killed him, man. I mean, you lose your best secondary player, maybe your best overall defensive player, and Jalen Catalana, preseason All-American. You lose K.J. Jefferson for a game. Other guys have been injured and just gutting it out. It's been tough. And I know LSU lost that outstanding defensive lineman, Florida State, like the first or second play. I can't think of his name. But Arkansas just doesn't have the depth that LSU does. And you're seeing it kind of down the stretch. They're kind of just – holding on for dear life. Now, let's get something straight. This is a weird series. It's a weird game. I would not be surprised at all if Arkansas kept it close or even won for that matter. But yeah, injuries have just killed this season and definitely changed the outlook of what year three was going to be under Sam Pittman. Now, now you know, Raheem Sanders has been a guy that, that really stood out in the in the rushing game for Arkansas. Talk about Sanders and you know what he can do to this LSU defense on Saturday. I think he can have some success. LSU's kind of been inconsistent when it comes to stopping the run. Some games good, some games not so good. They've got some incredible football players, Ojolari and, and Harold Perkins. You talk about a freshman that just has made a appearance and shown out in the SEC. That's that young man. But I think Rocket, he was so bad in this last game, not necessarily because on his own accord, but he just didn't get any blocking against Liberty. Liberty. And I don't know how much that's going to motivate them prior to playing the LSU Tigers, but I think Rocket has to be big in order for this football game to be somewhat close Saturday in Fayetteville. Now, Ty, looking at K.J. Jefferson, have you gotten any new information on him? Do you know if he's going to be good for Saturday's game? Coach Pittman talked about that yesterday, and the basically the company line is that it sure seems like it's going to be closer to a game-time decision. I think he's going to play, probably start. I think you're going to see backup quarterback Malik Hornsby at some point. K.J. was not himself against Liberty. He's going to get dinged up against LSU because of how physical the Tigers are. That's kind of where... You should, what you should expect on Saturday is seeing both quarterbacks at any given point. You know, you, you touched on the defense earlier, Ty. Jalen Catalan being out. Uh, Bumper pool has kind of had a, a peaks and valleys kind of season. Uh, this defense has the, it's kind of been a downfall for the Razorbacks, giving up a lot of yards 
to their opposition this year. Yeah, they just haven't been the same since those injuries, and they're never going to have this elite Georgia, Bama, LSU defense unless they just get a plethora of talented recruits, which we haven't seen in some time. But this defense was not expected to be this bad in the passing game. And you think about what happened. So not only did they lose Jalen Catalan and Ladarius Bishop to season-ending injuries, at points they lost Jaden Johnson, Miles Slusher, and Kari Johnson. And then Greg Brooks and Joe Fouché, who every time I turn on LSU any given Saturday – one of those guys is making a play, particularly Greg Brooks. So it has been, at one point, you had like seven guys that you were expected to either start or contribute that were nowhere to be found. It's a tough task for any defensive coordinator, and I felt bad for Barry Odom at points this season. Chat with Ty Richardson of ESPN Arkansas. You know, is there anything with this team, you know, other than injuries that's maybe held them back so far this season? That A&M loss killed them, and I don't know if you two or any of your audience got a chance to watch. Arkansas had that game complete control in the first half, and then KJ had a weird, awkward Superman jump, fumbled a football. really changed the entire outlook of the season. They'd be bowl eligible right now, and I would say that loss is still detrimental, and there's still some repercussions from that game in Arlington. Other than that, injuries have – Again, the biggest storyline, but I just think that the expectations may have gotten to them a little bit. You think about they were slotted third in the West preseason. They're not even going to get close to that. So I think that for Arkansas, a good showing tomorrow against LSU is keeping it within maybe 10 points to a touchdown. I still think they can win, but I'm not picking them to win on Saturday. Is Sam Pittman still the guy to lead Arkansas? Yes. And this is the first sort of turbulence that's been pretty pretty well-founded within a lot of different fans. There's always going to be the detractors and the, the small number of constituents that are against any given coach. Even Nick Saban's probably got some people that are pushing back after the loss to LSU this past weekend. But this was the first time this past week where the fan base was just like, what the heck was that? Sam Pittman is the guy. He breeds. He, he bleeds Arkansas. But this can't happen. You can't have another game like Liberty. You're expected to win, and you blow it. They've got to somehow get bowl eligible. It would not be great if they went 0-3 down the stretch. I think they'll find a way to win at least one of these games. I think there's still a lot of people in Sam Pittman's camp, including myself. Looking at the weather, we talked about it a second ago, low 40s, maybe even upper 30s, according to some weather forecast for Saturday. How does that weather benefit Arkansas? Because like you said, you know, you guys are a lot more used to that weather than than you are down here in Baton Rouge. The deal that Brian Kelly made earlier this week talking about, well, we practiced in that in January and February, and I know that he's played in tons of games like this, being in Cincinnati, Central Michigan, and South Bend, but his players haven't. A lot of his players are from the South, and they've been playing in Baton Rouge for the majority of the season. It's not been near that cold in, in six, what, five, six months? So the idea that you're just, your body's going to all of a sudden contort itself to be ready to play in these type of conditions, I don't buy. Now, he's not going to come out and say, well, we're going to, 
icebox or practice facility, or we're we're not we're not going to be ready for that. He's not going to say that, but it will have an impact. Arkansas will have an advantage in that area, like they did in 2014. But that's the last time a Razorback team's been the Tigers team in Fayetteville. You got to go back eight years, and you hope if you're an Arkansas fan that LSU isn't ready for these conditions. But I think the talent's still probably going to take over, and they have that advantage over Arkansas. Could you see a Darren McFadden type fifty to forty eight double overtime performance? Man, that oh seven game, I was watching it today. You talk about a moment in Razorback history that will be echoed throughout time. Nuts. Number one team in the country. Rocket, where's that number five? I'm sure Arkansas fans would love to see him have similar type of numbers against LSU. But that was a player that is a once-in-a-lifetime guy. And I love Rocket Sanders, and I think he's a really good running back. But D-Mac is in that next tier right behind Herschel and Bo. He's in the same breath, according to some people. I don't know if you can put him above those two. But when you go from Herschel to Bo to D-Mac, that's a that's good company to be in. Keys to victory for the Razorbacks. Don't turn the ball over. Get off to a fast start. Only one opening touchdown, opening possession touchdown for the Hogs this season. You'd love to see that. You can't, again, like I said, can't turn the ball over. And there has to be some solidarity within that coaching staff on what they're going to do if KJ's hurt and obviously not playing well. They have to come to grips of what they're going to do, how they're going to execute if Malik Hornsby's put in. And then defensively, you can't let Jaden Daniels run amok. He was able to at times against Bama. I mean, the first play of the second overtime, or I guess it was the first overtime, he just scoots in for a touchdown. And I know Nick Saban was going berserk. Great block from Taylor. And I don't know, remember if that was Boutte or whoever on the outside. But if Jaden Daniels is in QB spy situations and one-on-one with a defender, you have to bring him to the ground or it's going to be a field day for that LSU offense. Ty Richardson of ESPN Arkansas joining us with a preview of the Razorbacks and the Tigers. Ty, give me a prediction before you run. I think LSU's going to win by probably a touchdown, maybe 10. I think they barely cover. It's going to be really, really close. This game is so up in the air almost every single year. You really can't look at the ratings or coaches or even the players at some point because if you look back over history, there's been – several LSU teams that were more talented than Arkansas. And the Razorbacks just found a way to win. Heck, last year, that Arkansas team had no business only winning that game by three points. But LSU just ran blitzes the entire game. KJ didn't have anyone to throw the ball to, and they bottled up Burks. So I'd say it's probably in the mid-30s with LSU winning by a touchdown. It'll be closer than a lot of people think. But if you're betting money on LSU, you're probably going to walk away a winner. And I hate saying that, but that's just how I feel. Ty Richardson, appreciate you as always, my guy. We'll talk again soon. Absolutely, guys. Enjoy the game and have a uh, a cocktail on me. I love that idea. 
Ty Richardson of ESPN Arkansas. We'll take a timeout, wrap up hour number one after this, right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Alexa and the game make a great team. Do yourself a favor and enable the Alexa skill, the game Southwest Louisiana, so you can keep it locked in to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wherever you go. Start NFL Week 9 off right with a no-sweat same-game parlay from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. It doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel or if you already have an account, you'll get free bets back if your Thursday night same-game parlay doesn't hit. NFL same-game parlays are the perfect way to combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payday. A quick parlay that I whipped up for you is the Drake London anytime touchdown, the under on total points scored, and the Falcons money line. Build your own or choose from one of our popular same-game parlays pre-built for you in FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. However you want to play, you can bet on the NFL Thursday night with a no-sweat same-game parlay. Just sign up with promo code KLWB if you don't have an account. But if you're already with FanDuel, you're all set. Just sign in and see what you got. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. Three-plus leg minimum $1 bet required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after the receipt. Max free bet $5. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Welcome back to Crunch Time. 4.53 right now. We only got a couple minutes left before we finish up our number one talking about Thursday night football. It's going to be heard here on the game. It's going to be the Falcons and Panthers, a couple of NFC South rivals. And it'd be nice if the Panthers could do the Saints a little, uh, a little solid and, and get a win in Carolina. I don't, I don't believe that they will because I'm not a huge believer in PJ Walker. I know he's been doing well the last couple of weeks, but Falcons, they haven't been falconing it up too much this year. They've actually been winning a couple games. Whoa. You sound excited. I could care less. <laughs> I hope they both lose. It was a tie? Either that or, you know, just... It's supposed to be rainy. Just cancel the game. Nobody plays. Just cancel. Nobody plays. Nobody wins. Everybody goes home. and It looks like it's 60 degrees, partly cloudy. Well, they are they are projecting rainy and windy for the the contest. Let me see. So Bank of America. It is is looking it is looking to be ner nearly. The week ten opener is going to be a wet one. Uh, weather is set to impact the matchup between the two NFC South rivals as the remnants of Hurricane Nicole move through the Carolinas. Now, I'm not a huge proponent of A.J. Terrell. I know a lot of people have big have been big on him. But with him being out, that's one less corner that you have. And I feel like that's a very good chance for P.J. Walker to go deep with D.J. Moore once again. I don't think they're going to be throwing the ball much. No, but if if you could hit on one deep, I mean, yeah, if you could hit on one deep, DJ Moore's the guy to do it. Or, or I mean, you could always do a wide receiver screen like you did with Lavisca Chenault, and hopefully he just slips past everybody if, it, if it's going to be that wet. But according to WCNC in Charlotte, they're forecasting winds to get higher as the game progresses, and is expected to go between fifteen to twenty-five miles per hour with gusts up to 35. Now, Chuba Hubbard, 
I believe he is ruled out for this game. Run the ball, baby. So the, if that's the case, you you may see a big, and I mean big, Dante Foreman game. The point total has dropped a full three points in less than 24 hours. <laughs> it is now at 41 and a half. You, I, I, yeah, might, I so, might take the under on that. So Dante Foreman. Da- Deonta, I think is how. Deonta, Deonta, so whatever. Sure. Okay. I don't know. Guy played in Texas. I don't know. Um, yeah, you, you're going to see a lot of him. Big game from him. Probably a big game from Cordero Patterson. Patterson's back? I thought. Is he not? He could be. I mean, I I haven't I haven't really seen. I, I didn't, yeah, he's he he's, is back. Okay, he's projected about eleven fantasy points. Um, yeah. So I mean, you're you're gonna see a lot of running the ball tonight, especially if if the rain starts to pick up and it gets windy. Could see a big Mariota, Cordero Patterson, PJ Walker taking up probably a couple times. You could see a lot of going forward on fourth down as well, because if it's twenty five it, miles an hour, you're if not it's short, the ball. If it's short, uh. Short guard situations. Yeah, you're not you're not punting the ball there. That's that's for sure. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two. It's gonna be a good one. Don't go anywhere. This is the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It is your home for the Houston Astros and the Fighting Tigers of LSU. We'll back after the top of the hour sports update. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two of Crunch Time right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 337-706-0111 if you want to get in on the game hotline. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. Updating the poll question, what return do the Saints get for Sean Payton? 37.5% say two first-rounders. 37.5% say one first-rounder. And 25% say less than a first-rounder. And Eric Howard chimes in again and says, Come on, guys. Gruden was out for 10 years and got a 10-year, $100 million deal. You can't tell me Peyton is not better. It would be highway robbery to get anything but a first-round pick plus. I agree. I agree with all of it. When did I say say he was worse than than John Gruden? I'm not saying that. But what you're saying is, is that a guy that... You got two firsts, two seconds, and $8 million for 18 years ago. Guy was out of coaching for 10 years and still got pulled back in with a $100 million contract. Just because it's been 10 years since Peyton won a Super Bowl means nothing. It means nothing. The guys won a Super Bowl. The mm-hmm. guy put his yep. teams in, playoff, in the playoffs. What? I'd say a solid 80% of his tenure in New Orleans? There was, what, four seasons that they didn't make the playoffs? I think it was four seasons. I can't remember. Because you had those three straight years that you didn't make it. Correct. He wasn't there for 2012. Yeah, so you're you not going to count that. the Bounty Gate year. But 2008? Didn't I, they go 8-8? Eight and eight? I don't remember. 50-plus oh, oh, percent. More than half of his teams went to the postseason. Correct. 
Two of them went to NFC Championship games. Correct. Three of them. Three of them went to NFC Championship games. Excuse me. Um, and then one of them won a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. That dude's getting a first. You're getting a first round pick for Sean Payton. Plain and simple. If you don't, you did something wrong. But I digress. Let's talk about the New Orleans Pelicans. They got a 115 to 111 win last night over the Chicago Bulls, behind 22 points from Brandon Ingram. Now, James, I'm looking at the statistics, and I have to ask. I have seen some bad nights from beyond the arc. It has happened to the best of teams. <laughs> you went three of 19 from deep, and two of those threes came from your bench. Chicago didn't shoot very well from beyond the arc either. I mean, that's fair. <laughs> they made it a fourth of the time. That's fair. But six of their threes came from their starters, at least. Correct. You got one three from your starters, and it was Brandon Ingram. Now, that's not pretty, knocking, not that's knocking pretty standard, though. That's pretty standard. C.J. McCollum should not be going 0 for 5. That's his M.O. He's a shooter. The dude went 3 of 13 from the floor. What is going on? Now, look. The Pelicans won. So how much can you complain? Not a lot. However, I was going to say you I'm still going to complain. You've only done it so far. 3 of 19? 50% from the field? That's pa ball. At least they're not throwing 47 times like the like the Celtics do some nights. I mean, that's that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. At least they're still attacking the paint. I like that you scored 36 in the fourth quarter. You shot 50% overall from the field. Which isn't bad. That's what I'm saying. It's not bad. It's just, it was just a tough night from beyond the arc. Oh, that tough night's an understatement. Good God almighty. You turned the ball over 16 times. You're supposed to stay under 10, Willie Green. You're supposed to stay under 10. Now, you were ahead in the assist-to-turnover ratio, so that's positive. 20 to 16. Well done. However, your opponent was 23 to 15. You gotta find a way to make more threes in that kind of game. Let's go to the hotline, Al. What's up? Hey, you know, uh, LSU finished with like 39 scholarship players last year. How much does a how much does a normal team like a Bama or a Georgia like? How many do they finish with? Anybody know? I mean, you're allowed 85 scholarship athletes. Say that. I'm sorry, I had my volume turned down. Say that again. You're allowed to have 85 scholarship athletes. Okay. So, is that what people like normally in the season with, or? I mean, yeah. Or, so, or is it like 60 with like 25 coming in? Probably closer to 60 with 25 coming in. All right, that's what I figured. Thanks for info. Have a great evening. Thanks, man. Appreciate the call. Yeah, you know, there, there there's no question that, that Brian Kelly's had a had an uphill climb in, in terms of, you know, what he was faced with. Um, not, I'm not quite sure where where the caller w- was going with with that, but. Yeah, I mean, Brian Kelly walked into a dumpster fire and turned it into 
um, seven and two and leading the SEC West. If you don't slip up to Arkansas and A and M, you're going to play in Atlanta in December. How crazy is that to say? Once again, if you want to get in on the hotline, 337-706-0111. Let's go to the hotline now. Randy, what's up? Oh, hey, Matt. Um, I want to talk about the Pelicans today, if I might. Um, just because you just were. Uh, I want to preface this with I've watched the Pelicans four times this year. They've won three. They've lost one. And that's about the same amount of games as I've watched in the last 25 years in the NBA. The only reason is I just hate living at the three-point line, doing nothing but shooting bombs all day, or having one player score 60 points and everybody's standing there watching them. I don't like that. But the Pelicans, as I watch them, when they're winning, one thing what they do is amazing, okay? They drive the lane, they hit they shoot their free throws. You know, when you see Valanchunas and Zion on the post or in the paint, they're unstoppable, and they're scoring two points at a time, and this team is dominant when they do that. And I looked at the box score this morning. I wasn't able to watch last night's game, but I see Valanchunas and Zion each with like 19, 20 points, something like that. Um, they shot less than 30%, as you say, from behind the arc. Less than 30%. Their overall field goal percentage was less than 50%. They won. And they won because I think, probably without watching, Valanchunas and Zion dominated at least for periods of time in that game. And when I see that, it just makes me wonder, why do NBA coaches even think, look, let's live at the arc, and every time we drive, we're just trying to shoot it back out somewhere. If we're going to hit less than 30%, on our three-point shots, why are we going to shoot a third of our shots from there? Because that's today's, I, I just don't get it. Because that's today's basketball. It may be, but they win when they're in the paint. I mean, Zion and Valanciunas right now are dominant when they're in there and they're shooting in the paint. You notice Valanciunas has a little sky hook, kind of like Kareem used to have? Yep. Well, you may not be old enough to remember Kareem, but you've seen him, right? Yeah. I mean, come on, man. Those guys, if you start feeding them down in the baseline, they are, going, they are and they do when they do it. They're going to dominate. Nobody so far has been able to stop them. No, I mean, I, I agree. But like I said, going back to that being today's game, that's exactly why they're being so dominant is because people aren't defending the interior as much because that's not the game anymore. So, yeah, when they, when they are attacking the paint, they are dominating. I agree. I, I I like it. I'm actually watching basketball again after all these years, and hopefully they don't start disappointing me. But right now, I'm enjoying watching the Pelicans. I really am. Yeah. I'm going to watch them tonight at our favorite watering hole. <laughs> they're, uh, they're they're very entertaining, no question about it. All right, you guys have a good day. Appreciate the call, Randy. Your Alexa and Google Home speakers do a good job of helping out around the house. They allow you to control your lights, your thermostats, and more. But did you know that it can also play the game Southwest Louisiana? All you got to do is tell your Alexa or Google Home to play the game Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, your home, and everywhere you go. Take a timeout, and when we return here on Crunch Time, we will look ahead to we'll actually recap LSU basketball from last night getting a win over the ruse of Kansas City University 
and uh, we'll, we'll look ahead to more college basketball here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for those Fighting Tigers and the Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. This man said I only eat stuff with barbecue sauce on it. What what is that supposed to mean? Back here on Crunch Time, Matt me guest James Mesh. Last night, LSU men's basketball kicked off the Matt McMahon era with a 74-63 win over the Kansas City Ruse. What a performance by Adam Miller with 18 points to lead the Tigers. Uh, you also had Juice Hill and K.J. Williams with 13 apiece. And then off the bench, Trey Hannibal with 7 and 8 rebounds in his 18 minutes of work. The Tigers didn't really shoot the ball that great. 42% from the field. 38% from three, and they were 69% from the charity stripe. Look, when you play college basketball, actually, when you play any basketball, as a team, you better shoot no worse than 70% from the free throw line. No worse. Individual, if you're a guard or a small forward, one through three, you need to be above 80%. You need to be out of every five free throws, I need you to make four. Free throws are the easiest shot in basketball. It's you in the rim. Nothing else matters. What about a fast break layup? Nope. <laughs> Not easier. Hardest shot in sports. The free throw is the easiest thing you will do in basketball. What was your free throw percentage? My free throw percentage was actually pretty solid. What was it? Probably around 74%. Okay. I, I was pretty solid from the free throw line. I wasn't good at much uh, well, much else. <laughs> but hey, when I it was hack-a-shack. You can't hack-a-me-gas me. No, you can't. It was not hack-a-shack. Um, I'll make it 73.4% of the time. When I got to the charity stripe... More times than not, my free throws went in. 73% from for a big man. Not bad. That's pretty it's pretty solid, actually. So, but no, yeah, you, you gotta shoot better than that from the charity strike. And as a team, I'd I'd really like you to shoot 30% from three. As a team. Um but you know, uh, again, I I they they shot 38% from from three, which is which is good. Uh, 42% from the field as a team, eh, I'd prefer 45 But again, you know, I, I digress. The Tigers won. Matt McMahon gets his first win in Baton Rouge. And this Saturday they will host the Red Wolves of Arkansas State in what they call Pete's Palace, the Pete Maravich Assembly Center. The Ruse. Got to be one of the coolest mascots ever, right? The Ruse. I don't like the color scheme to yeah, go with it. It's not great. I, I find you ever it, seen a blue kangaroo? Because I haven't. I find it funny though that he's just absolutely jack kangaroo with hands the size, his fists are the size of his face, and he's wearing a sweater. And then he's wearing he's wearing a sweater. He's wearing a sweater <laughs> with a big KC on. Like, it. look, I'm not I'm not knocking people that wear sweaters. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just funny. It's, it's just funny that you have a buff kangaroo wearing a sweater. 
Uh, Adam Schefter just tweeted. Uh oh. Penning, Trevor Penning, the first round pick for the Saints. Yes. Was designated to return. Go yes, away. Go away. he Go away. he was at practice today. So and his. 21-day practice window has now been opened. That is a step in the right direction for the New Orleans Saints. What what great fun. What great times. Guys, i got to tell you about a, a place I love called Suit Up. Fashion tuxedos, suits for all occasions, sportswear, dress clothes, accessories, all of it. They have it all for you. I'm talking wallets, dress shoes. Belts, cologne, socks, whatever you need, they have it for you at Suit Up. Cufflinks. They do have cufflinks. So, I mean, literally, they've got beef jerky at Suit Up. They have cool socks. I even bought, my, I bought my brother-in-law a pair of socks Yeah, you did. There. Yeah, you did. Very pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, suits, tuxedos, just a sports coat, whatever you need. They have it for you with great professional service. They're going to measure you every time to make sure it's a perfect fit. Uh, Three locations to serve you. One in Lafayette on Ambassador Caffrey. One in New Iberia on Admiral Doyle. And now open in Lake Charles across from the Prion Lake Mall. Suit up. And when you go to suit up, tell them that Miguez and Mesh sent you. We're going to take a time out here in a moment. And, guys, we're we're so excited about this interview. The longtime voice, well, I say longtime voice. He's been there since 2016. Uh, The voice of the Fighting Tigers of LSU, Mr. Chris Blair, is going to join us. And we're we're going to talk about a lot of different things. Uh, I'm going to to get his thoughts on the game against Alabama this past Saturday. I'm going to get him to look ahead to the game against Arkansas. This Saturday, and we're also going to dive deep into the performances of Jaden Daniels, Harold Perkins, and, and, and quite a few others. It's going to be a great interview, great conversation with Chris Blair. We'll update the poll question one more time in this segment. What return do the Saints get for Sean Payton? 41% say two first-rounders. 35% say one first-rounder. 23.5% say less than a first-rounder. Salty Steve said, where is he going? He isn't going to take a bad job. And then John Paul said, so I got it. The Saints parlay Sean Payton like a lotto. Tell any team that wants to talk that, that we need a fourth rounder, then a second team, then a second from the team that wants to sign him. Ooh, interesting. That could work. I, I'm not necessarily against that. Oof. Oh, man, that's incredible. That's incredibly interesting. Could you imagine every team pays a fourth and then the team that signs them gets a second? Oof. Buddy. All right. We'll we'll talk more about the Sean Payton situation you know later this week and into next week. Uh, we're gonna take a quick timeout. Chris Blair joins us next. You are listening to the game. It's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It is Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the Houston Astros and the Fighting Tigers of LSU. We'll be back after this. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
Welcome back to Crunch Time. Matt Miguez here on a Thursday afternoon. Looking ahead to this weekend, LSU traveling up to what is going to be a brutally cold Fayetteville, Arkansas, as the Tigers take on the Arkansas Razorbacks. You hear this voice a lot on our airwaves as we are the LSU affiliate for Southwest Louisiana. We are joined by the voice of the LSU Tigers, Mr. Chris Blair. Chris, thanks so much for taking the time, sir. How are you? I'm great, Matt. Thanks for having me on. So I, I got to start with this one. Last Saturday, that that great win in overtime over Alabama on just you know one of the wildest play calls I think any of us have seen in a long time. In in terms of your favorite moments as a play by play voice, where did that game rank? Oh, it's it's right at the top. I mean, I haven't asked that Matt a couple of times this week, and you know when you're when you have the opportunity at, at, at any school at any level, really, to call a, a championship, whether it be a state championship in high school or uh, a national championship at the college level. I mean, that's kind of in a, another category, and I've been blessed to be a part of that 2019 team, uh, arguably the best college football team in history. Um, but for Tiger Stadium, which is legendary, the mystique of Saturday nights in Death Valley, that one's number one. Uh, it was truly an experience all day. You know, arrived on campus Saturday around 9.30, uh, even with the weather, it was, you know, still crowd was coming in as the rain stopped and there was just a, a huge amount of people coming into campus and then they were ready to go from kickoff. The lights and the, and the flashbulbs were popping and, and it was loud. Uh, you know, there were moments there in the fourth quarter where, uh, you know, we wear headsets and, and I couldn't hear what I was saying. I couldn't hear what my, my colleagues were saying. Uh, it was that kind of experience. So when, when people ask me what's it like on a Saturday night in Death Valley, the Alabama LSU game 2022 is the one I will reference. Yeah, it was it was a wild one to to watch on TV. I mean, so I can only imagine what it was like being you know in, in the in the press box calling it. Now you know, looking at this team, Chris, ever since the Tennessee game, the, this team seems like it's turned a page and has just been so special over the last month or so. In your opinion, you know, after that Tennessee loss, what changed in this team? You know, I think it was a bad day at the office for LSU, and that's taking nothing away from Tennessee. I mean, they've had a tremendous year, and Josh Heupel has, has really put Tennessee right back in the mix at the top of the SEC, which is really an incredible feat based on where they've been for 15-plus for years. But it wasn't a great performance by LSU. They didn't do anything to help themselves as well. Um, and, you know, I think that game could have and should have been a lot closer and a lot more competitive. But LSU stayed the course. You know, listening to Coach Kelly and visiting with him every week, he's still saying the same things, Matt, that he said six months ago, eight months ago, when he got here in January uh, to try to rebuild this program. So nothing's really changed with he and his staff. They talk about the same fundamentals, the same habits, and that they're not results-oriented. They're habit-oriented. And if you do those things every day at the best of your ability, the results will follow. And if you look at the improvement of this team, going back to the opening game against Florida State where a lot of people, a lot of the national media said, yeah, we told you so. He's not a miracle worker. It's going to be a long ride back for LSU to the top. And you see them get better each and every week, and here we are atop the SEC West with a chance to play uh, over the next couple of weeks. We'll find out if, if you play for an SEC title in Atlanta. So it, it's, it's been remarkable to watch this team get better, and it's not just Jaden Daniels who has improved just tremendously over the last nine weeks. It's not just the offensive line, which people said was the biggest question mark and liability for this team through about three or four weeks of this season. 
Uh, it's not just the secondary having to replace two All-Americans. Um, it's not just the safeties. It's not just the linebackers. It's not, you know, I mean, every position has improved each and every week. Um, you know, to think going into that game, Matt, that if you had told me before the game, LSU is going to come away with 185 yards rushing against Alabama's defense, I would have taken it. Regardless of what the final score, I would have said, I feel good if we can rush for 185 against Alabama. And that's indeed what this O-line and Dayton Daniels and Josh Williams were able to do. And, and it's just an impressive, visible, tangible improvement that this team has made really going back to January, but certainly since the start of this season. You touched on Jaden Daniels. Let, let's talk about the quarterback. You know, you, you saw a lot of, you know, flashes in, in that Florida State game in opening night where, you know, okay, you know, this guy might be able to lead this offense. And then it was kind of peaks and valleys for a little bit. But then again, after that Tennessee game, Jaden Daniels has been a completely different player. And now he's kind of forced himself into the Heisman conversation. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think he certainly has to be looked at as we head down the final stretch here. Um, and, you know, it's one of the things I talk about with Jaden Daniels is we saw week number one what he can do with a football in his hands. Now, against Florida State, a lot of that was forced. It wasn't what they wanted to do, but he was still able to make some big plays and lead an incredible fourth-quarter comeback that came up a point short. And we knew he was very judicious with the football, uh, protecting the football. So Coach Kelly trusted him. But you saw around week four – of the season, you started to hear Coach Kelly, Coach Denbrock talk about wanting to be a little more aggressive and utilizing this really talented wide receiver court. And I think if you look over the last five games, Tennessee game included, you've seen that confidence build that Jaden has in his receivers, that if he throws the ball in the vicinity, he feels like nine times out of ten, his guys will make the play. And the big aha, aha moment for me, Matt, was in the Ole Miss game, the 34-yard touchdown to Jure Jenkins where he lofts it up to the near sideline, near the goal line. Two Ole Miss Rebels are there, but DeRay splits the defenders, goes up, pulls it down, goes into the end zone. I think that's when, you know, they got on the same page that these guys are pretty good. And, you know, 14 touchdowns for Daniels on the season, one interception, that's a, that's a pretty good ratio. And now the difference is a true dual-threat quarterback. He's uh, very elusive. He runs like a gazelle, looks slower than he actually is just because of his form running. He's just so smooth in the way he does it. But LSU now runs the quarterback when they want to, not because they have to. And then you add the passing game that's come along. Uh, It makes defensive coordinators really have to work and really have to pick what they want to do and try to take away from LSU offensively. Now you talked about the passing game. You know, you, you look at this receiving core, and, and obviously the name that jumps off the page at you is, is Kayshawn Booty, but, you know, defenses have done a great job of preparing for him and doing a good job of shutting him down to where guys like Malik Neighbors, Jure Jenkins, and even Brian Thomas have been getting a lot of production in this offense. Oh, no, I mean, I think that's why you've seen Kayshawn Booty, who got off to a slow start. I think you're starting to see him be more involved. I mean, the last three ball games. He's had some huge catches, you know, only one touchdown on the season, but he's had some big, big uh, catches to set up scores, big catches to, to move the chains. And even Kayshawn will tell you it's because the emergence of Malik Neighbors, the emergence of Jare Jenkins, the job that tight end Mason Taylor has done catching the football, uh, Tyron Lacey. I mean, he gives a lot of credit to his colleagues in that wide receiver room because now teams can't just simply double coverage or bracket coverage 
Keishon Bucci, and he kind of realizes that the more these other guys get involved, the more opportunities I'm going to have. And um, I think uh, a rising tide lifts all ships, and that's kind of the way he looks at it. And, again, we probably wanted to see that earlier in the season, but I think Tiger fans would readily agree that it's great to see what these guys can do over the next couple of weekends. Chatting with Chris Blair, the voice of the LSU Tigers. You know, Josh Williams is a, is a guy that's just been so impressive this season. You know, coming in as a walk-on, taking, you know, what, what the offense can give him and making the most of it. Now he's a scholarship player, and now he's a semifinalist for the Burlesworth Trophy. I mean, just an absolute incredible story. Yeah, give him the trophy already. I mean, I know they got to wait to a certain date to hand it over, but, I mean, I don't think there's another story uh, in college football that has been as enjoyable to watch. In this day and age where guys want to play immediately, and if they don't, sometimes they'll go ahead and sometimes rightly move on to another school, but sometimes prematurely move on. And I think Josh Williams is, as he said many times, he wants to wear the purple and gold. He wants to do whatever the coaches need him to do for LSU to be successful. And I think in a crowded running back room with a lot of talented players, I think Josh Williams now has the most trust, most confidence from his coaching staff to do everything they ask him to do, not just run the football, which over the last four games he's been tremendous at. Uh, you know, had his first 100-yard rushing game against Florida on the road at the Swamp. Um, had the big run they needed uh, late in the game last week against Alabama. But he's able to help in there in pass protection. He goes in and chips off the edge rushers, uh, you know, can catch the ball out of the backfield. He, he's just been tremendous. And, you know, his story reads like a Hollywood script and uh, couldn't be more proud of Josh and, and uh, just love to see what he's doing. I think, you know, Coach Kelly talks to Matt all the time about how confidence breeds success. And I think all of the players on this team have added some confidence but Josh Williams, to me, is the poster boy for that. Coaches put confidence in him. He now has confidence, and he's going out there and playing as one of the better running backs in the SEC. Chris, you know, it's so in- interesting to watch true freshmen step up and, and just make plays. And four guys that have really stood out to me. On the offensive line, you've got Will Campbell and you've got Emory Jones. At the tight end spot, you have Mason Taylor. And then on the defense, I mean, Harold Perkins has just been incredible. Talk about those four players and you know, how much pressure it is for a true freshman to step in and play the way they have. Now I'm going to use the word confidence again, and it's been infectious, especially with that group. Um, you know, As far as LSU can go back and, and look, there's never been two, right, uh, two tackles starting as true freshmen here for LSU, and they've had some pretty good ones come through here uh, with well over 100 years of football. Um, and then Harold Perkins Jr. is, as I said on the broadcast last week, I know Nick Saban and Bill O'Brien are going to wake up a couple of times in the middle of the night this week seeing Harold Perkins Jr. There was no way to stop him, um, and, and he's so versatile. And, you know, Coach Kelly, I thought, mentioned on Monday during his press conference that Harold's kind of a low-maintenance guy. You know, he's got great skill, great talent, great size, incredible closing speed, and all he wants to know is, where do you want me to go, Coach? Tell me where to go, and I go. And Coach Kelly said, sometimes that's a good thing that they don't ask, why do you want me to do this? Just tell me where to go and I'll go do it. And, of course, Mason Taylor. I mean, who couldn't be happier for that young man who has always grown up in the shadow of his father, the NFL Hall of Famer Jason Taylor, and, and, and of course, deservedly so. Uh, but I know for a fact here around LSU and Tiger fans across the globe, they're going to know Mason Taylor is Mason Taylor. And, again, Coach Kelly having the confidence 
to make the decision to go for two, go for the win, first session of overtime, and he goes, let's call the freshman's number, and the young man delivers. Again, the confidence that Coach Kelly has in these young players and the confidence that they are growing with, uh, you just can't wait to see what's going to happen over the next couple of years for those four. A few more here with Chris Blair. You know, talking about Brian Kelly, ever since he's gotten there in January, you know, there's always been questions about, you know, is he a fit? Is Does this move to LSU for him make sense? Does it make sense for LSU? And he has shown over the last, you know, nine, ten months that this move makes sense. Seven and two, leading the SEC West. Are you surprised with how quickly Brian Kelly has turned this program around? Not really. Um, again, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I've been around, you know, football offices for a while since they've been there. And, you know, I tell people all the time, when you go over there and you see somebody going, you know, down the hallway or going from this room to that room, they're always going and moving with a purpose. And you could tell that very early on. And, you know, it, it, he's closing in on 300 wins. He's the winningest coach among active uh, college football coaches. I mean, there's a reason. That's not luck. That's not happenstance. Um, and, again, he talks about, you know, the basics, the fundamentals, and the habits you have today need to be the same habits tomorrow. And, and if you're doing the right things at the right time with all the energy you have, good things are going to happen. I mean, it sounds a lot like uh, Skip Bertman. When you talk to Coach Bertman about what are the, the building blocks of a championship program, and he should know uh, winning five national championships, and he talks a lot in the same terms that Coach Kelly does. So it shouldn't come as a surprise. And, you know, I didn't I didn't create this line, but I remember the day he was announced. We had a gathering over uh, at the South Stadium, the Tiger Stadium, to introduce Coach Kelly to, to a group of alum and, and supporters. And when I introduced him, I said, you know, the question is whether or not he'll be a fit. If he wins at LSU, you'll be a fit. I don't care where you come from. And I think early on he was able to win LSU fans over just with the way he talks. He's so refreshing. As a media member, and I hear this from a lot that cover LSU, I mean, you get really solid answers. You get well-thought-out answers. And there's times where he'll get a question. It's a very good question. And he doesn't just throw out a canned answer. He'll he'll think a moment, think about it. And then he'll give you a very heartfelt, very well-thought-out answer to your question. Um, It's because he's been coaching 31 years. Nothing's going to happen in his program, in his building that he hasn't seen before, and nothing gets him off kilter. I mean, he's even kill. He's got a program. He believes in the process. He believes in the people he's hired around him. And I say it all the time. National media, they come in for a week, maybe a couple of days, interview the coach, and they have some opinion. But when you're here every day and you see what's being done every day, no, it's not a big surprise. Did I think we were going to be where we are now? No, I'd be lying if I said that. But to think we weren't going to be successful, we weren't going to be much improved over the last two years, that was easy to tell early on. All right, Chris, let's look ahead to this Saturday. Tigers traveling to Fayetteville, Arkansas, take on the Razorback. It's going to be the first game this year where there's a nice little winter nip in the air. It's going to be 44 degrees at kickoff. You know, what are you what are you expecting from this game between the Tigers and the Razorbacks? You know, it's it's interesting when you look at these two teams, and I've talked to a couple of people who cover the Razorbacks up in Arkansas, they both have a lot to play for. I mean, Arkansas came in after last year's really breakout season for Sam Pittman. The expectations, as you imagine, for every SEC team coming off that type of year, go sky high. 
They were preseason pick number three in the SEC West. They're currently sitting at number five with a two and three overall mark, uh, with just one win more than Texas A&M and Auburn at the bottom. Um, so they've got a lot to play for because they want to play for a bowl. Now they want to do more than just win six games, obviously, but not making a bowl game with three SEC games remaining would be a major disappointment. So that's number one for Arkansas. We've already touched on why LSU has plenty of motivation, A, to not be hung over from the win last week, and to continue to maybe throw a wrench in the college football playoff when we get to the end of the regular season. Those are the two overlying things. But, Matt, I think it's always been a physical game between LSU and Arkansas because Arkansas takes this game very seriously. Not that LSU doesn't, but I think in the rivalry that's been created for the, the golden boot, Arkansas sees it bigger than maybe LSU does. And for that reason, while the Razorbacks have struggled this year, LSU is going to get their best on Saturday. Um, can you replicate 44 degrees or 40 degrees at kickoff? Well, you can't here in South Louisiana. Um, so that, you know, obviously will be a factor. Razorbacks play a physical brand, um, and they're worth for wear. I mean, there's uh, K.J. Jefferson. Maybe a question as to how close he is to 100%. Maybe a question as to how much he plays. He played last week, didn't play very well, and uh, obviously wasn't 100%. But uh, I think Arkansas is one of those teams that, regardless of whether you win or lose, you'll know you played the Razorbacks the next morning because you're going to be a little sore. Um, they're physical. LSU will have to match that physicality on Saturday. But you look at you know these two teams going in on paper. I think Vegas at one point had uh, LSU as a three-point favorite. That may surprise a few people. But if you look back over the last couple of years, even when LSU was head and shoulders more talented, it still came down to to a close game. So I, I really don't expect anything different Saturday. Lastly, who or what is your X factor in this game Saturday morning? Well, I think Harold Perkins will be a big part of it. Simply, if KJ Jefferson is there, he's such a physical. I think Harold's going to have to be able to you know do what he does against the run. And 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 I think Jay Ward, who we saw limited action last week. Um, could also be a big factor because you just don't want to let the big play happen. Uh, between Jefferson and Raheem Sanders, their running back, um, they can hit some big plays in the run game. And I think the secondary for LSU, which has been very unsung this season, um, you know, has to be locked in as well. Can't, can't get their eyes in the wrong place and, and, and decide to come up, pull up, try to go up against the run because Jefferson is a dual-threat quarterback. And, um, you know, they don't have – uh, Burks, who's moved on to the NFL from last year, but they've got some receivers who can make plays. And, and I think it comes down to defense. I think if you can stop the run and force K.J. Jefferson or Malik Hornsby, the backup, to sit back there and throw all day long to beat you, I think that's a good thing. And for LSU offensively, just keep doing what you've been doing over the last four ball games, uh, utilizing all the weapons at your disposal and uh, keeping the pocket clean and keeping Jaden Daniels upright. The Tigers should be okay. Chris Blair, the voice of the LSU Tigers, joining us here on Crunch Time. Chris, really appreciate you taking the time. Have a safe trip to Fayetteville and a great call, and uh, we'll talk to you again. Absolutely. Appreciate you, Matt. Thank you. And there he goes. Chris Blair, the voice of the Fighting Tigers of LSU. Pre-game show is at 9 o'clock on Saturday with kickoff set for 11. And of course, as we mentioned, you can hear it right here on the game. You know what else you can hear right here on the game? It'll be an NFC South grudge match tonight. Thursday night football as the Falcons travel to Charlotte to take on the Carolina Panthers. Pre-game begins at 7 and kickoff is set for 7-15. And you can listen to it all live here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. 
Take a time out, preview the Louisiana Rage and Cajuns, and wrap up today's show after this. Here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the Houston Astros and the Fighting Tigers of LSU. From the Louisiana Rage and Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Such a great interview with the voice of the Fighting Tigers, Chris Blair. Once again, really want to appreciate or send my appreciation to him for taking the time. Back here on Crunch Time, a couple minutes left here on your Thursday afternoon. There is a college football game tonight. It is going to be nationally televised, and it's right here in our backyard. The Louisiana Raging Cajuns will host the Georgia Southern Eagles tonight. Kickoff is in about half an hour. James, let's talk about it. Uh, you know, the Cajuns come in four and five. There's two. There's three games left on their schedule, two in the Sun Belt. And, you know, I don't want to sit here and say that they are 100% going to lose to Florida State because, you know, if, if that was the case, why would you even play the game? They, that is always a fair point. But out of those last three, they have to have two wins if they want to go to a bowl game. Uh, so this one would, would be a great step in the right direction if they could take down the Eagles of Georgia Southern tonight. The problem is going to be, though, the Georgia Southern Eagles are currently fourth in the country in passing yards, or in passing offense, should I say. They're very good at passing the ball, yet I look overall at their team, and right now they're at a four, they're at a 5-4 and four record and only 2-3 and three in the conference. Yep. And I'm even looking at the spreads themselves, and they're varying from only three and a half to three, for the in favor of the Cajun, which usually works out since you're the home team, yeah. which is pretty standard. But I feel like you still have a good chance. And even when I had mentioned the two minute drill for the Raging Cajuns, most of their losses have come within one score. Yeah, yeah. You know, you you, you look at the the Troy game last week, a 23 to 17 uh, defeat. You know, you look at Georgia Southern's last game, a 38-31 defeat, and it was a very similar way. You know, Georgia Southern had a lead late. Defense kind of, you know, let the oppos- the opposition back in the game, and South Alabama was able to capitalize. Same thing with Troy. You know, the, the Cajuns let them back in, and then, you know, things ran away from there. But I'm interested to see how the Cajuns' defense, who has who's kind of been their lifeline, a lot of the uh, so far this year, I'm interested to see what the Cajuns defense can do against this high powered passing offense and then vice versa. What can the Cajuns offense do against the Georgia Southern defense who's allowing just as many yards as their offense gets? I mean, their defense, you, you look at it, the Georgia Southern offense is averaging 480 yards a game. The defense is giving up 484 a game. So, I mean, they're right on the money. And I wonder what part of the team, or offensively, whether the run game or the pass game comes. Because sometimes you'll see the Cajuns, they'll, th- they'll throw for 380 and then only run for about 80. Run the ball. Run the ball. You run the ball and let the passing game open up from the running game. I was going to say, use the running game to set up the Correct. pass. Correct. Run see, the football. See what you can do with some play action. RPOs, zone reads. You ha- ben Woolridge is an athletic quarterback. You can work with that. Run the ball. Run the ball. That's going to do it for today's edition of Crunch Time. Uh, once again, the Cajuns will play tonight at 6.30. 
want to take this opportunity to thank Ty Richardson for joining us for an in-depth analysis on the Arkansas Razorbacks and, of course, that great conversation with the voice of the Fighting Tigers, Chris Blair. We'll come on back tomorrow for a Friday fun show with our guy Jake Crane, of course, and a slew of other guests. We're also going to make our picks for the weekend. And then Saturday, of course, on our airwaves, the Fighting Tigers of LSU. Kickoff is at 11. Pre-game is at 9, which unfortunately means no under the dome with CD. But, you know, CD deserves a day off every now and again. So we'll give them one and watch the Fighting Tigers take on the Arkansas Razorbacks. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe. Be well. Give a hug to your mom and them. We will talk to you tomorrow, 4-6, to six, right here on the game. It's 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Don't forget, Panthers, Falcons, Thursday night football on our airwaves starting at 7 o'clock.